0: Welcome back, everyone, to the PA, the Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and I'm so excited to have a very special guest today joining us for the show. We have Chelsea Turgeon, who is the host of Life After Medicine podcast. Welcome to the show, Chelsea.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, Kat.
0: Awesome. And I am really excited about our conversation we're going to have. You definitely have a very unique story surrounding medicine. So I'm really excited for our guests to take a listen and hear your story. But could you first start by introducing yourself to the listeners?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So I'm Chelsea. My background is in medicine. So I went to medical school, got my MD, and then a year and a half into residency, I went to OBGYN residency. A year and a half into that, I decided for many reasons that medicine was not the way I wanted to contribute to the world. And so back, this was back in 2019 that I had this realization, I decided even after all of the schooling and training and all of the student loans and the debt, I decided to leave. I turned in my resignation and I left traditional medicine. I decided I wanted to travel the world. Um, More than that, I wanted to come back to my original love of psychology. And so I started life coaching. I also started blogging and I moved to South Korea. Initially, I got a job teaching English to pay the bills. Um, This is back in 2019. So about five years ago, and I just sort of started this journey of figuring myself out. It's like what most people would do like after college, if they didn't know what job they wanted, (laughs) I just kind of did it like after med school and part of residency. Um, And now I've created this business that I love, this life that I love. So now I'm a digital nomad, meaning I travel the world full time. um, And I also have an online business, which is my source of income. That includes career coaching and a podcast, the Life After Medicine podcast, like you said. And so, yeah, I'm like doing those things to earn an income, to express my gifts with the world. And then I'm also just living this life that I love currently in Argentina.
0: That's awesome. Yes, I follow you on social and it seems as though almost every week or every month at least you're somewhere new, which is really fun to watch and seems like you're living your best life, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, it feels like that.
0: And part of your story is that you shared that you dropped out of your OBGYN residency, which seems like that must have been a huge life decision. Could you share what led up to that decision for you? And then how did you actually make that decision that changed the trajectory of your life?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question, because when I tell the story, it can feel a little bit jarring. Like, wait, you did what? Then you did what? (laughs) So, yeah, so I think it, it makes sense to just have a little bit more context as to what was happening. And so if I look back, when I tell the story now, I have this hindsight, right, this 2020 that allows me to understand what was going on in my head at the time. So the way I tell it now is not the way I would have told it when I was going through the process, but I think it's really cool to be able to have this hindsight and to understand more deeply what was going on through the whole process. So uh, my initial love or passion was psychology, like I said. Um, And so I was this nerd who in high school, I would have my parents drop me off at Barnes and Noble or like books a million. And I would say that I was going to study there, but, and I would a little bit, but then I would go to the self-help aisles and like browse them. And like, I would never buy the books because I was like, this is embarrassing, but I would just read books about like the psychology of rejection and happiness and different ways to find. And so I was just like really interested in this from a very young age. And so then I decided to major in psychology um, for for undergrad. And then I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with that. In my head, there was two pathways for that. There was, you know, like PhD or like clinical psychology routes, so maybe like PsyD or like a master's, but kind of going into like clinical psychology and therapy route. And then there was Med school psychiatry route is sort of the way I perceived it. There's obviously a million more avenues, but that's in my head. There's those two two avenues, and so I would present that to people. You know, I was like, "Oh, I'm majoring in psychology, but maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that." Whenever I presented the med school option, I was met with like, "Oh, that's so impressive," you know, "like that's wow, that's so cool." And I think that's for us, for a lot of people in healthcare, there's this sense of, "Wow, that's such a like noble job. That's such a like what a cool." profession or like, you know, it's something that can make good money. It helps people. It's very well thought of by society. So there's this prestige factor, I guess, of going into healthcare professions. And so I made that decision really based on other people, like based on getting approval and validation from other people, not realizing that at the time, but I look back now and I see like, I was very swayed by other people's opinions. And I wasn't really checking in with the fact that organic chemistry was so miserable for me. I did not like biology. I didn't like hard science. I really liked social psychology. I liked learning about feelings and personality. But I just completely ignored all of that. I also ignored the fact that I hated being in the hospital shadowing. Sure. I did not like being in that. There's something about it where like, I used to have this neck pain when I was like studying for the MCAT. I got this neck pain and it, like, it was so prominent it. and it's like, I was, and it also got worse. So it was worse when I was, it's so interesting now when I look back, I'm like, it was so clear. I should not have done that. But it's like, oh, the neck pain was flaring up when I studied for the MCAT when I shadowed. <laughs> and like, there was a moment where um, I, I got like, someone came to get me out of shadowing. It, it was for this like honor ceremony induction thing. And they kind of like surprised me and took me out of my shadowing thing. And I remember noticing in that moment, like, I had huge neck pain while in the clinic and the moment I left it was gone and I was like oh that's weird <laughs> but I wasn't really connecting that like there's something off there so so it was never I say all of that to just paint the picture that medicine was never I chose it for reasons that were not authentic to me without realizing that at the time as most of us do because we choose our majors <laughs> we're like 17 or you know, I was like 20 when I got into med school so it's like I didn't really know what was authentic to me and and so it was just never the right fit. It was never really where I wanted to like where it was never where I was gonna shine. And so I go through this process and med school, I start getting panic attacks and I just medicate those away. And it's like there's all these signs that are happening that it's like this is not quite right, but I just don't have the ability and the honest the self-honesty to check in with that and to see like, huh, maybe something is off here. And I just keep pushing through and pushing through until it gets so bad that I just hit a wall and it's like I don't have an option I like have a really hard this is in second year of residency it's like I can't I can barely get out of bed when I'm in the hospital I have to go sneak off to the residence lounge and take a nap because I'm just it's this wall of exhaustion and it like wasn't until getting to that point that like I was sort of forced to really reconcile with the fact that like maybe something is off here entirely
0: yeah, that was a lot that you shared for sure about lots of layers to the buildup of that decision, right? It wasn't just one thing. It sounds like it started when you were young and then it kind of led up to the moment. And it is amazing that our bodies can tell us when we're not being aligned with what is the best thing for us. So that is interesting about the neck pain and the tension. And it's always nice, you know, if you're on vacation and relaxing, how much less pain you have. And you're, you know, especially if you're in the place of burnout and things like that, too. So it's great that you can reflect back and see that your body was telling you that. I also had caught one of your podcast episodes where you shared some of your journaling entries as well during that place, too. So that was really cool that you were using writing as a tool at the time, too, to help with reflection. Do you, do you still journal quite a bit and find it helpful?
1: Yeah, all the time. Journaling is like the way I process life.
0: Awesome. So when you made that decision to, you know, stop residency, decide that it wasn't the time for you, the case for you, you needed to make a change. What types of external pressures did people put on you or what types of things did they say to you and how did you navigate through those? Because I could imagine that a lot of people would have lots of things to say about that decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll go back just a little bit just to like when I actually made the decision because that also really influences how I was able to respond to other people, because like you said, <laughs> lots of opinions, lots of things were were thrown at me. Um, but because of the way I made the decision, I was able to navigate all of that and not be thrown off. So when I'm in that like rock bottom place of burnout, then I was gracefully given by my program director. She gave me this five week paid leave of absence, which was incredible. And I, it just felt like this huge relief to be able to take five weeks and really process and, come to a place. I was like, I know that I just can't go back and do things the same way I was doing it. I need to just come back to myself. I need to understand like, why am I doing this in the first place? Why did I get into this? And just really connect back to my why, connect back to like, do I want to keep doing this? Is this something that I that I really want to do? Um, and I never let myself ask that before. You know, I had never really let myself question that. Um, and so during that five-week leave of absence, I was meditating every day because that's something I had picked up. During fourth year of med school, I was meditating, I was journaling, like you said, I was connecting to this place within me that I refer to as my intuition. I believe all of us have this guiding, you know, calm center within us. It's that part of us that just feels calm, even when there's uncertainty, it feels, it's like this still small voice. We just all have this part of us that kind of knows deep down inside, like what we're really supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be going. And So I was journaling and like tapping into that part of me, that wiser part of me who just could help me figure out what to do or where to go. And through that journaling, it just started to feel so clear Like this is not it. This is not your work. This is not the thing that you're here to do. And what also started to feel clear is that I did have work to do. And it involved traveling and seeing the world. It involved tapping back into my creativity of writing. And it involved helping people like, and I was gonna say in a talk way, but that's just sort of what was coming through. It's like, I didn't totally understand what that looked like, but it was like helping people through conversations, um, is what started to feel more true for me. And so by journaling that, and by coming to that place within me of this like calm and certainty and like, hey this like the path forward is start traveling start being an entrepreneur start like doing some stuff online and get yourself like be go in that direction and it just felt really clear and it felt really right and even though it was vague it still felt clear if that makes sense so when i told people this when people were trying to like talk me out of it or you know oh well have like have you thought of this have you thought of that have you thought of switching specialty you know everyone's trying to come give me their opinions on what I should do. I was able to just kind of lean back and not like laugh at them because I knew they were coming from a good place, but I had a sense of playfulness around it. And I was like, Oh, they don't get it. (laughs) Like they don't get what I'm trying to do. They don't understand that I'm here to like follow my purpose. And like, I actually know what that is now. And I'm going to go do that. And it just, it didn't even bother me, which is so interesting because before that I had always been bothered by what people thought. But when I, the moment I was connected to what was really true within me and like, my direction. It was just like, they'll they'll see. Like I really had that sense, like they'll get it at some point. They don't get it now, but they'll see.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like it took a lot of reflection and time for you to, you know, get to that place of that decision. And once you had that mental space, you decided to implement it and take action, which is really great. I'm curious at that time, did you have a plan in place for what was next for you? Or did you just decide to kind of see what would develop or what your thoughts were once you decided to take the leap?
1: Yeah, no, it's such a good question. Um, So at that moment, when I decided to turn in my resignation, the pieces that I knew, the biggest thing I knew was I thought I wanted to be a travel blogger. (laughs) So what I did was even actually before I turned in my resignation, like still on that leave of absence, um, I bought a course to become a travel blogger. An online course. I bought my domain name, the traveler.com. And then I also knew at the time that I needed to, I knew that that wasn't going to make money right away. So I wanted to, I was like, okay, I need to find a way to make money while still kind of traveling or being abroad. And so then I, through the internet, I found out about teaching English as a foreign language and that, because we have the privilege of being born speaking English, we can get a certification online that you can get for a very cheap <laughs> price. Um, you can buy a certification, go through the process, and then you're qualified to go get a job as an English teacher in a foreign country. And so those are like the, the pieces I had in place was like, okay, travel blogger, um, like start that on the side. And then in the meantime, start teaching English. I hadn't Gotten a job yet doing that. But in my head, that was the plan. And then I turned in my resignation. I negotiated like three more months of working part time for the same pay. Don't know how I did nice, that, but I did.
0: Because nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I think
1: I was just really willing to like walk away. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I'll stop working today. But if you want me to cover for three more months doing these specific things, I will do those sure. for the same pay. <laughs> so That's like, oh, awesome. Okay. Um, and then I had that during that three month time period while I was still like earning money I also then cut some expenses I like moved in with I had some cousins who lived in that city where I was doing residency and so I just like gave up my apartment I moved in with my cousins was saving money on rent so I'm like starting to like think more financially and like start saving up some some income but then I also um get the certification to teach English I get the job and so by the time the three months are up I already have a job in place I leave the week after (laughs) like I have one week of off time. Um, And so yeah, things are already starting to, to roll. So I never even had really like a gap in income. I was pretty much all the way through like having, it's not like I took the leap with literally no plan.
0: Yeah, those life changes, whether it's a sabbatical, whether it's cutting back on hours, whether it's changing jobs, they all can seem so scary. But like you said, if you can at least have your first plan, and maybe it changes and develops after that, then it can be a bit of a safety net and cushion for you to be able to take the leap. Yeah, exactly. So since you made that change and maybe you're not exactly a travel blogger per se, but you do some travel blogging maybe, what have you been up to since then?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. So I started blogging and you know, like I said, the initial idea was travel blogging. And so then during that whole first year, I wrote a blog post every single week. So that was this commitment that I made to myself was like, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to... Write a blog post every single week. And I do think that's really important piece for anyone who's thinking of, like, getting into the online space or, you know, starting a business of any kind. It's, like, what is, like, one small thing that you can just commit to to really show yourself that, like, I'm here for this. I am going to do this. Um, but then also with the flexibility so that I'm paying attention as I'm writing each post, I start to realize Really like writing about travel per se, um, as we talked about before. I'm not very detail oriented, so I'm like a big picture person. And I started to realize I really liked writing about my inner world, not the details of the outer world. I really liked writing about like what I was going through during the transition and how I felt about things, and I don't know. So I just started writing, gravitating more towards those subjects. And then I also started exploring the world of coaching and realizing that the psychology thing that I loved. I don't have to necessarily go back and get a master's degree to do that. I can pursue that kind of through coaching. And so I signed up for a coaching certification program and loved it. Like every moment of that, I was like, is this real? Like, can I actually do this for work? Like, I just felt this sense of flow, this sense of this desire for mastery that I had just never felt in anything in the medical world. And I, I, just started pursuing that so then I also like I'm doing these blog posts every week and then I also was like I'm gonna do 100 hours of just coaching people for free and so I literally am there on this island in South Korea and there's other English teachers there and so it's like any person <laughs> any English teacher on that island I was like let's we're gonna meet at this cafe after school and I would just like have this cafe it was kind of like my office and people would come and I would just do coaching there and so that's when I like got my like a learned everything about coaching and the human psychology through, through that time. And so then that just sort of led into me building up this coaching business, which is really the main thing that I do now.
0: So with your coaching business, what types of things do you tend to help healthcare providers with? Or what types of people do you work with? And what types of problems do you help them solve throughout that process?
1: Yes. So as of right now, I have a very specific niche, but it did not start out that way because initially I started off. So I think that's one thing I see people do, like who are trying to get into the coaching space or you know, anything. They're like, well, I don't know what my niche would be or I don't know what I would be helping people with. It's like, you can't know that yet. <laughs> like, I think you talked about this before, like the clarity through action piece, like you just have to get started. And so that's really what I did. I was coaching anyone and everyone with anything and everything involved years later to what I do now, which is my main program is called Pathway to Purpose. And so within that, I help healthcare professionals who are feeling unfulfilled, feeling maybe burnt out, feeling like this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be or something's missing. I help them connect back to themselves like I did during my leave of absence to connect back to themselves, connect back to What is it that they want to do? Like, what are they good at? How do they want to make an impact on the world? And the biggest thing that we get from that program is they clarify their direction. They have this idea of like, this is exactly the thing I want to do. And this is the direction that I want to start in. And so essentially, the ultimate end goal is that I help them build careers that give them freedom and fulfillment.
0: Very cool. That sounds like it probably is quite fulfilling for you as well.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's literally the best thing. Like I get off of my group calls and I'm like, where did the time go? Was that work? Like, I don't even understand. I love my clients so much. So it's a really cool thing that I've created.
0: Awesome. How long total have you been away from medicine?
1: Yeah, it's been five years just as of Sunday. February wow. 18th is the five-year travel anniversary It's like the day I got on the plane. I guess I technically left the hospital a week before that but yeah basically five years
0: and I'm curious what has this time away from medicine taught you
1: everything about myself <laughs> like literally yeah so much about me it's like I just didn't even know who I was when I was in medicine I felt so disconnected from myself I felt like I wouldn't know how to if someone asked me like who's Chelsea I would have been like she's a med student I'm a resident. I'm like that's I really define myself solely by my profession and I think that's all too common to do in healthcare because it, be, it just becomes such a big part of their identity. And so I'm just I think the biggest thing that's taught me is like who I am and what I like and what I want and why I'm the way that I am too. like I, I just have really deeply understood like my background and the, the forces that have shaped me and how to, just enjoy life. I think I lost that in medicine because I lost me. So yeah, I would say that's just the biggest overarching thing is I know who
0: I am now. With this time away from medicine, you've done all sorts of traveling. It sounds like all different countries, you barely spend any time in the U S you had mentioned before we hopped on to this recording. What have you learned from all your travels? What types of experiences have you had and how do you feel like they've impacted you?
1: Yeah. Uh, I love this question. One big piece that I've learned, which I think is a reason that everyone needs to travel is I've really like reckoned with my own privilege of like what it actually meant to be born in the U S that was something it's, it's hard to even realize if all you are doing is living in the U S. Um, but even just having that passport is huge like, there's so much power to having that passport. There's so many people that I meet as I travel who are like, oh, I'd love to get to that country, but I can't go there because I'd have to apply for a visa or I'd have to do this thing. Or, And then even people that I meet in the countries that I go to, there's just this huge sense of, like, the earning potential of the people in like who are staying within the countries here is just so much less. And, like, the economic situation, it's just like there's such a privilege of being born in the U S that it's really hard to, I know there's a lot of problems with the U S in general. I know we all like have our own you know, views on that, but I think being able to cultivate this appreciation for like, wow, I was given a lot of privilege and it's like kind of hard to reckon with sometimes. Cause it's like, Oh man, like what did I, I didn't do anything to earn it. I just have it. And then what do you do with that? Um, yeah. And then you just really see that like a lot of the world's not fair. Um, those things are, it's hard to, to see and hard to like really understand but i think it's just given me this broader global perspective that i just wouldn't have been able to 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 know if i was just taking like short vacations here and there and staying at all inclusive resorts or just staying in the us entirely
0: yeah it sounds like you do what's called slow traveling where you stay at a place for a long period of time instead of having to only fit your two week vacation in here and there overseas. And I'm sure that that allows you to experience the culture deeper and make deeper connections and enjoy those places on a deeper level as well.
1: Yeah. That's like one of the things is I don't really come anywhere to like sightsee anymore, which is another like privilege because I've done enough like sightseeing. Like i just go to places to be there. Like literally that's it. It's like, I don't need to add anything. There's just anybody anything on my list. It's like, I just want to be in that place um, and then have that experience.
0: Very cool. So out of curiosity, what has been your favorite place that you have visited and whether it's one that you can list or maybe two or three and then why?
1: Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to say because each place has a really special meaning and it's like each place that I've gone has taught me something new about me or I've learned a spiritual modality there. Like, I discovered ecstatic dance at an ashram in Colombia where I was the only English speaker, foreign person there. I had to accidentally hitchhike in El Salvador one time where I learned how to kind of navigate that. And so it's like each place has had a really special um, role, but I would say the one that stands out to me just because it was the first place I traveled solo internationally was Taiwan Um, so when I was living in South Korea I don't consider that like my first solo international travel because I got there um, on the plane and it's like the moment I was there there was like the people from the English program were like greeting me so I was more shepherded in (laughs) so I was like living abroad there solo but I felt like there was a structure and support around me but Taiwan I just like Hopped on a plane, didn't know anyone, got there and was like, hey, guys. Um, and there was something really special about that. And I did a trip. I went around the whole island of Taiwan. And, yeah, there was just something really magical about learning how to navigate myself in a place where there's a lot of unknowns. Um, there's a lot of discomfort. But I I was able to take care of myself and kind of be there through through the whole process. It just was a really empowering experience.
0: Very cool. And traveling the world solo as a female can come with lots of challenges or at least perceived challenges. Maybe some of those, you know, fears or worries that females might have traveling by themselves really aren't founded. But do you have any certain tips or recommendations for women out there that are considering trying to do more solo traveling?
1: Yeah, I would say talk to other people who have done it more than – because there's a lot of – the people who are the most scared of travel are the people who haven't traveled, right? And so that that's a, – there's a reason. you got to, like, really look at, like, okay, well, the people who have traveled solo, well, let me just get information from that. Like, if that's something I want to do, those are the people to listen to around that. Um, and so that would be first and foremost. There's actually Facebook groups, like Solo Female Traveler Facebook groups. I would just, like, join some of those and, like – get inspired by people you don't have to know anyone in your real life like there's so many people online who really talk about um the first person who inspired me about that was Kristen Addis of Be My Travel Views and she has this whole book on how she traveled the world solo so I feel like just um hearing other people's stories and seeing that and it's like yeah there are things that my male friends do not have to deal with who they get to travel like you have to you have to prepare more sometimes you have to think things through like you don't want to be left by yourself at a gas station in the middle of the night. Like you need to, it's like, you can be smart, but you don't have to be scared. Yeah. Um, and I think those are the differences. It's like, I, I don't ever feel scared. I just use my brain. And I do mm-hmm. things that are like very common sense. Like, um, and you really want to understand what the landscape is like in the place that you are um, from the locals. Right. And sometimes the locals are even more scared than than you are, sure. um, which is really interesting. So yeah, so it's like getting on the ground, talking to locals, like really understanding, okay, is this one of those places where like in Cape Town, it's like you just take an Uber everywhere the moment that it starts to get dark. You don't you don't walk a second. <laughs> Even if it's sure. two minutes down the road, you don't do that. Um, and so just like learning the practical ways to keep yourself safe when you're in an environment and then trust your gut too. Like if you're feeling uneasy about anything... Really listen to
0: that. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's also important to remember that unfortunately, things happen in the US too, right? We're not a society that we have bubble wrap around us and nothing happens in our country. And so experiencing other countries can be just as safe or even safer than the US as well. So I think a lot of people forget about that as well.
1: Yeah. And then I'll just, I thought of one other thing that I do, like one thing that I didn't used to do, but now just feels like a really nice, like self-care move is like before I ever get somewhere, I like arrange transportation, like from the airport to wherever I'm going to be staying so that I don't have to think of that in the moment. And like, that's really nice to just know whenever I'm landing somewhere, like I'm already gonna, there's going to be someone waiting for me with a transport, like, and that's going to get me to my first place. And then from there I can kind of regroup and Figure out where to go. So that's something I didn't used to do. (laughs) I'm just like wing it, and it's yeah. That that was harder. So I just recommend if you can just get that one step figured out, and that feels a lot better.
0: That's a great piece of advice for sure. So since this is a financial podcast where we talk about financial independence and money and things like that, could you share how some of the listeners could take some steps to start monetizing their passions that? They feel like they want to either switch altogether over to doing that focused for their earning or if they want to consider starting something on the side. But what can they do to try to help monetize their passions?
1: Yes. Um, I love this question. And I think it's, it's so important. And I, it's not that I think every passion needs to be monetized or anything like that. But they can be. Like you can make money from doing something you love. And this is something... Um, any of my clients who decide they want to go into the entrepreneurial space, like a lot of my clients, they decide they want to be like what, the kind of general category of wellness entrepreneurs, like wellpreneur. Um, and the biggest barrier they have is like monetizing and like really taking the thing that they're like, Oh, but I love it. So I don't need to <laughs> make money or like, Oh, but I really want to help people. So I'll do it for free. Or like, I want to make it accessible. So I'll do it for free. And so I think it's like first, and foremost realizing like it's okay to make money doing something that you love that's okay <laughs> like you're allowed to do that and I know that you talk about this a lot like there's a lot of those the money stories that you have and the money mindset and a lot of those pieces were really important for me um, as I started out and so I would say yeah as you're starting out like one of the first things to do is like how can you find sort of I don't want to say like the fastest path to monetization but how can you create like a like a trial small offering small product small service like a beta version but something that you are receiving money for to just start getting comfortable with it so like for example for me with even the sales process oh my gosh when I first realized I had to do sales I was like What (laughs) I have to do, what (laughs) and it was so uncomfortable, but I just did it and I kept doing it. And so, so what I started doing was like literally just selling my sessions for like, and it's not that this is not a sustainable business model, but this is what I started to do to get comfortable with the whole process of receiving money. Is I had, I was like, okay, I will charge $60 for each session, and people can sign up whenever they want. And you know, like there wasn't a lot of rules around it, but it was a starting point. And it gave me like, I, I felt comfortable enough with $60, but that even felt kind of crazy. It was like, Oh man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> like $60 an hour. What is that? Right. So it's like, I, but I did it. And, and then I started growing more from there. Cause it's like, that was not going to be the thing that would give me the whole business. But that, that really served a role because it, it helped me confront a lot of my money stories. Cause it's like, every time I'm asking asking for the sale, inviting people into that offer, I would notice what came up and I would start to, you know, I'd have to like, and then I noticed that when I was doing sessions with people who had paid versus free ones, I was second guessing myself more. And I was like, do they think this is worth it? Oh shoot. I should just give them another one for free on top. And so it's like, then you see all of the stories that are coming up, sure. but then you can start to work on and process. And then from there you can just start to increase sort of your window of tolerance for, Amount that you can charge. You're also increasing the, the value because your skills are getting better. So, yeah, I would say all of that is just like start small and do, yeah, create one small offer, one small product to then exchange that for money and just use that as a learning process.
0: That's awesome. And when people are monetizing their passions, it sounds like it can help them earn from a place of joy instead of just, again, feeling like they're having to earn this money for this paycheck and feeling like they are pressured to pay their bills but that they're also able to get more fulfillment out of it
1: yeah and like rewriting that story too that like in order to like in order to earn money there needs to be a suffering that happens but like I think a lot of people are like let me just mitigate the amount of suffering that happens to earn money as opposed to like maybe there doesn't even have to be suffering. It doesn't mean it's not hard. There's definitely hard things, but there's. I just think there's this huge difference between hard versus like suffering. And so it's just even rewriting that story of like that suffering is required in any way to be deserving of the money.
0: Yeah, that's a great point as well. So we touched on your podcast a little bit earlier, but could you share a little bit more about your podcast as well as the book that you've written too?
1: Yeah, 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 so many things. And that's been one of my favorite parts of, this journey too is is the creativity and the self-expression that I've been able to play with as I do that. And then everything I learned about myself through that process too. So the um, I'll do the book first because then the podcast kind of came from the book, which was really cool. So the book I wrote um, right as I was changing niches, like right as I was deciding I'm going to start working with healthcare professionals. This was at the beginning of 2021 and the month before that, so December 2020, I was Like, okay, I think I'm going to start working with healthcare professionals, but I haven't been there in, like, two years, so I need to check in. (laughs) Like, they're going through a pandemic right now. Like, things are not great. (laughs) Like, I need to check in and see how it's going. So I did hours of market Mm -hmm. research interviews. So I'm in this Starbucks in Mexico Mm -hmm. City, and I just, like, remember it so clearly. It's, like, Christmas time, and um, I am just in this Starbucks, like, doing hours and hours of calls with with physicians, with PAs, with like anyone in the healthcare world and just trying to understand like, what are they struggling with right now? What are their problems? Like what's coming up for them? And then I would give them, I was like, if you, if you guys want to, like, we can use the end of this to just ask me any questions that you want to, you know, I wasn't like positioning myself as an expert at that point, but I was like, you know, I'm happy to help you in any way that I can. Um, And they would all ask the same questions, like every single person, how did you get out? What are you doing about your loans? Did, didn't did you care what other people were thinking about you? Did you have guilt? Like there was just this series of questions
0: sure. that kept coming
1: up. And, and I was like, oh, I think I just need to write a book about this.
0: That's awesome. <laughs>
1: so that's what the book was. The book was me sharing my story in a way that addressed all of those questions. Then after the book came out, what happened was all these people started reaching out to me who were like coming out of the woodworks in a sense being like, I left medicine too, but I never shared my story because I had so much zoom around it. Or wow, like everything you said in that book is exactly how I feel. Or like, it was just all these people coming to me, being like, me too, basically. Sure. And and then I was like, Oh, okay, we need to share these stories. Like we need to, you know, create more. And so then that's when I started the podcast was because I was like, Well, all these people that started reaching out to me organically, I was like, I need to have them share their stories. I need to kind of create a platform where we can end this shame that comes up around leaving the medical field around decreasing your hours around you know around doing making any decision that actually works for you. We just need to like rewrite the shame stories around that. and I think one of the best ways to do that is to have other people share stories that no one felt like they could share before,
0: yeah, and there is a lot to be said about taking the time to share stories. It can be very therapeutic not only for yourself as the story sharer but definitely the listeners and it builds connection, builds a sense of community and can be be really great for your mental health overall too.
1: yeah uh, I love it there's it's like a, like you said a therapeutic process of sharing your story rewriting your story like just owning your own narrative but there's like it's a really cool process that happens around that.
0: Cool. And I will include a link to your book in the show notes, but could you share the name of the book for the listeners as well?
1: Yeah, it's called Residency Dropout, and it's currently just in an ebook format. So you can get it on Amazon um, as an ebook. And if you don't have a Kindle or an e reader, you can just download the Kindle app on any device and then you can get it that way.
0: And where can the listeners connect with you if they have questions for you or want to follow you on social?
1: Yeah, so they can go to my website, coachchelcemd.com. That's sort of my hub of everything. Um, if you want to follow my day to day life, I share a lot of that on Instagram um, all the hikes I go on, my commutes to work, which is usually me walking to a scenic cafe <laughs> and my like day in the life. You know, it's just like me really sharing like what is life after medicine. Um, so you can find that on Instagram at coachchelcemd. And then if you want to hear stories of other people who have, Found a way to connect to their purpose. Found a way to make a difference, make a living, still have the freedom to enjoy their lives. You can come to the Life After Medicine podcast, and Cat was a guest recently. Um, or she'll be a guest coming up, whatever however the timing works. So yeah, you'll get to hear her deeper story too.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated you having this idea for this podcast swap. It was super fun, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this show and share your story and share how people can think of life a little differently and not feel like they have to be stuck in one path for their lives as well. So thanks so much, Chelsea. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.